somebody who is actually removed ish from the real estate world. I have Teresa Vanderstay here who is going to talk to us a little bit about money mindset and her journey, which is has so much meat in it. I'm really excited to dive in. So Teresa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, thanks everyone for having me. Thank you, Brianna, for having me on here. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, so my name is Teresa Vanderstay, as you said, and I am a mom of three. Um, I grew up in Muskoka and I have had quite a financial journey from lowest of the low that you could imagine to uh, changing my financial story. And I'm really, really excited to dig into that a little bit further today. Mm-hmm. And I will say that if you follow Teresa on Instagram, um, I didn't know your name, your first name for the longest because her handle is the Remy method. And if you see her on Instagram, this may be a little bit surprising to you, this conversation. So I'm excited to kind of open up um, the book on your money mindset. And I want to start at the beginning. So I want to chat a little bit about the conversations that were either happening with you or around you as you were growing up. Uh, what what kind of space did money hold in your family? So we actually didn't talk about finances. My parents were very closed off with finances. It was kind of a them conversation that they had privately behind closed doors. We weren't really involved in that conversation. And because of that, I didn't have a lot of exposure to finances and what that was supposed to look like. And I think the other thing was, it was very much the mindset of like money doesn't grow on trees. It's not available to everybody. It wasn't this, um, there wasn't an abundant mindset around money. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of my clients um, deal with and they just don't know kind of what's possible because nobody's ever chatted with them about it. And I know from my own experience, I had very much the same experience growing up. And I want to touch on the fact that when nobody talks about money and you have friends who may have different or diverse economic backgrounds and you're wondering like, it's it starts to kind of play on your own self-value and self-worth. I think that that was something that I dealt with. So I was like, why do why do they have, but I don't have? Is that something that I'm doing? And not to say that I really wanted for much when I was growing up, but when those conversations aren't present, kind of the discrepancies and what children have or what they're exposed to really affects their self-esteem. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I had just to touch on what you said, I had a similar experience where I would see other people and they were so open. They, they clearly were set up for success when it came to money in the home and and talking about it and being open about it. My husband included, my husband grew up where they were very good with their money and they, they spoke to their kids about it from a very, very young age. And so him bringing that into our marriage and our relationship, it was actually, we had to work through that a lot in the beginning because it wasn't something that I was used to opening up and talking about. I actually felt a lot of shame around it and felt like, I didn't have anyone to talk about it with because it was so taboo. It was like, we, we don't go there. We don't talk about money. Money is, you know, not, not money is for those people, not for us. And also um, beliefs around, you know, wealth or rich people are not good, you know, and it wasn't necessarily in that language, but that was the undertone. And so it was like, you know, there was this separation, like there's them and then there's, you know, the middle class or 
or less, right? I heard a lot of, um, well, we don't need that. So it's like, you're, you're kind of martyring yourself by not, by not needing brand names, by not needing, um, the things that those people seem to need to find their self-worth. Um, you end up the language is really important. You end up feeling less worthy than your friends. So yeah, I think it, so yeah, I know this is a mortgage and a home buying podcast, but as, um, parents and mothers, I think the language that you talk about money with and what you use is so important. So, so important. Yes. And teaching your children how to be financially literate from a young age, because financial literacy is wealth. It's like, I see this a lot and I know you and I have chatted about this, but you know, there are a lot of people who don't know what to do with money. And then when they earn money when they start to earn money that's why you see you know major celebrities and like different you know um just not being savvy with money and ending up in situations where they're bankrupt because they actually do not know what to do with the amount of money they're getting and they're not seeking the right financial help and they're just spending it and you know you see people especially in my world in the online space you see people talking about wealth and flashing their louis vuitton bags and all these things but the wealthiest people in the world don't have those things. They they might, they might, but like people who have true wealth have put it into assets that are, um, that are growing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, and we'll touch on that a little bit later talking about how to grow your money and that delayed gratification piece, which sucks when you have to eat it. But then at the end of the day, it's really, it really does pay off in dividends. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> we teach people, especially right now, because it's such an instant gratification consumer economy. We teach people how to make money. That's great. Make money, make all the money, go get it. And then what? Right. I think that there we don't have as a society a holistic approach to financial education. So I so appreciate you adding that. And I'm definitely going to mine your brain a little bit of about that later on. Um, but let's get back to. So your family didn't really talk about money. Then when you started earning money, what happened? I just spent it. I was, my As my mom would say, you spent it like you're afraid of it. <laughs> That's so true, though. That is so poignant <laughs> when you unpack that. Yeah, because, yeah, you spend money like you're afraid of it is, is basically like you don't know what to do with this. And you're actually the fear actually comes from those limiting beliefs around the more aspect whether you will have more in the future. And so you just spend, 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 because you're like, this might be all I have. Maybe this is it. So you just, you spend, and then you you just end up further and further and further in the hole, which is what I used to do with money. I used to basically spend what I had. I lived paycheck to paycheck. I was a single mom for a number of years and really struggled financially, but I didn't better my situation with baby steps that I could have been taking. And I think that it's important to note here that for females um, who, especially after a separation, a divorce, some sort of um, dissolving of a relationship, often get harnessed with the financial burden, not that children are a burden, but of child rearing, um, which can be all the, even if they're receiving child support or alimony, there are hidden costs and also the workload, right? So you've been able in the recent years to develop a career um, in which you can also care for your children, which is amazing, but not everybody can do that or not everybody has taken the steps to do that. So as a female, 
we really need to know our numbers. We need to know how things get paid. And we need to, one, like take some of that burden, the the mental burden off of the male in the relationship. And I know we're dealing with a lot, but it really it pays dividends in the end because should anything happen, you need to be prepared. Now, I know before you started um, the digital marketing that you're doing now, you were a flight attendant. Yes, so what I was for 15 years and I did love my career. I thought it was amazing, especially in the beginning of the first few years. And I did mostly um, in my first 10 years, did mostly, you know, a mix in the first few years of being on call and doing the nitty gritty flying, but then moved into mostly overseas, which was absolutely amazing. And I, I loved it. Um, and then the culture shifted in the company that I was working with. The things just took a turn and I wasn't loving it. I wasn't loving being there anymore. And I think the thing is a lot of people and um, a lot of people fall into the trap of like, I'm comfortable here. I'm going to stay here, especially when it comes to money. Right. And I wasn't being fully honest with myself about where I was at, but I, and I just kept on kind of going and doing the thing, um, without really seeking that within myself until I started my side hustle. And then I started seeing what was available to me. And that was kind of a fluke thing. Um, in hindsight, I I just started a network marketing business because I liked the products that I was using, decided to to dive into the network marketing world, thought, hey, if I can just cover the cost of my products, that would be great. So I didn't really go into this side hustle with the mentality of making money to become more financially savvy or just, you know, save or anything like that. That was just kind of gradual and happened over time. So where did the turning point happen? So you're working as um, a flight attendant, you're a single mom, you um, are trying to make ends meet depending on credit and uh, trying to really build yourself up. Where, When did you think, oh, I need to chat with someone. There's somebody who needs to help me. How did that come about? So actually, when I met my now husband uh, and we started, I... I Basically, our second date dumped my financial situation on him because I... We love transparency. (laughs) That's great. Really? Yeah. I really liked this guy and he he had just bought his first home and I was like, wow, that's so amazing. That's so inspiring. He's a few years younger than me. I think I had this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I better just lay all my cards out on the table, let him know my financial situation that I am not set up. I, well, I didn't feel like I was set up and I had, you know, a really bad credit situation. And I wanted to be really transparent about that. I had an R9 credit rating and it's, it was terrible, but I knew very early on in our relationship, I just wanted to be upfront right away. And I wanted him to either be in or out with me based on what I was telling him. And so uh, that's kind of where I had these shifts. And he started talking to me about money and, and these kind of beliefs that he had and the things he had grown up with, the conversations he grew up around. And I was blown away by that conversation. And I decided 
a few weeks after that to go and speak to a financial advisor at a bank. <laughs> I didn't really know where else to go. So I just went into my bank and I said, I need to speak with somebody. And I, I think it was that relationship with my husband, now, now husband, that really kind of made me realize that I needed to just better myself independently before I could feel confident in our relationship even. Mm-hmm. And let's note here that it, once you have the conversation about money, it continues to be hard. And there's a lot of feelings that come up, especially when you come from like our shared background, guilt, shame, jealousy, like oh, the gamut, all the icky stuff comes up. Right. So in a relationship and I've experienced this too, there be, we call it cognitive cognitive dissonance where it's like where you want to be and how to get there. And it's a little bit messy. Um, I know I experienced some, just some personal shifts in my mindset towards money that were necessary before I could really get along with my husband and talk about money on an even playing field. Right. Um, So that looks different in every relationship, but I do think it's important to note that like, it's not um, sunshine and rainbows after that first conversation, but that transparency, it's so important, especially at the beginning. Absolutely. And then like, even to this day, we've been together for seven years now. And even to this day, we still have these conversations. Like you said, it's just, it's, we're growing and we're changing, we're evolving. And my stuff still comes up. His stuff comes up because he also has beliefs around money that aren't a hundred percent in alignment with me because you know, there are different ends of the spectrum. Right. And so it's kind of, you have to meet in the middle somewhere and the middle might be further, you know, one way or another. And especially when you're raising kids and, you know, you start to add to your family and your beliefs around money and that kind of thing, things were con- the conversations constantly evolving. Absolutely. And thank you for being so candid with that. I appreciate that. Um, so now we've changed a little bit. What what does um, what do the feelings around money feel like now for you? Because we've heard about you working with this financial advisor. Then what what started to transpire as you started working with professional? Well, I started to gain control of my finances because having that crucial conversation with a financial advisor was it that was a pivotal moment because first of all they gave me so much peace that a i wasn't alone i'm not the only person in the world dealing with this and if you're in a position where you feel shame first of all a financial advisor will never ever shame you and they will especially the right one Um, they won't make you feel ashamed of your situation and they have seen it all and they are the professional that's, it's like a therapist for money, right? They are there to really walk you through and help you, help you better your situation. And so really making sure you can trust that person and speak to them openly. And I I was in tears in that initial appointment. Like I was really emotional because it was so scary for me to talk about money. Like I didn't even talk to my parents about money or my finances like at all. And I was carrying so much of that burden, being a single mom, just being on my own. And it was like, I was the mom and the dad in that situation in my household, trying to wear all the hats 
deal with all the things, schedule my life, schedule my daughter's life, um, deal with that financial stress on top of it. And so airing that out in that first conversation with a financial advisor was like a therapy session. (laughs) I had to give them that whole financial history. And there was so much shame wrapped in that. But um, that that changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. So now what what does life look like i know that now you have this beautiful business that you've built and Mm -hmm. you're investing and i'd love to hear about the trajectory of the side hustle becoming the main hustle and then like how do you how do you think of money now how are you using it i guess is the right way to to ask so now i view money as a tool to get to get myself ahead, whether that means big jumps or small jumps. Like I approach money very much in a bite-sized mindset, one little bite at a time, whether that's saving, investing, um, earning. I think, especially in the online space, and I'm guilty of this too, sharing just um, wealth and what that looks like or saving, like people think it needs to be massive but that's not, that's not what it is. It's exactly like working out. If you want to get a six pack or if you want, not that I have a six pack, I can't talk about that, but <laughs> um, I, I can't speak to that. But um, if, if you want to achieve results anywhere, you have to work it like a muscle. And so that's exactly that initial conversation with a financial advisor set me up for baby steps. And I actually love Dave Ramsey. I listened to his podcast too. There are certain things with Dave Ramsey. I'm very like, I'll take a little bit of that info and then shelf some of the other info. Right. So you kind of, um, yeah, I don't follow any specific method I would say, but I, I take those bite sizes and they've come back to me tenfold. So I think, um, sorry, just trying to get my mind right on this question. Um, it's all good. I want to highlight the, um, I'm not a huge fan of Dave Ramsey, but I do think that some of his tidbits are great. And I love that you have this ongoing relationship with financial education. Cause I think, especially as business owners, like, yeah, we're like, Oh, well, flex the social media muscle. I'll learn how to do this. I'll learn how to do that. But then even past the back end of your business, like what are you going to do with the money? So I think that that ongoing journey of education is like something that really needs to be highlighted and you need to be commended for it because I think um, that that's like so super important, but I I will let you continue. I know you had more to say. (laughs) Yeah. So basically I went from being broke, living paycheck to paycheck to taking control of my finances. And then, um, saving a little bit at a time, paying off debt. I had a small amount of credit card debt at the time, but that's kind of, it's all relative, right? So for me, a small amount was a couple thousand dollars and paid that off, which was a huge relief and then started moving in the right direction. So everything I had paid off, then that extra little bit of money that I would get, I would start saving, saving, saving. And I restored my credit within a year and was able to purchase our first home, which I really want to tell you, like if you make a decision to change your financial situation, like I said, I had an R9 credit rating. And and you were on title for your first home? Yes. Oh, snaps for you. That's amazing. If you don't know anything about credit, guys, like to improve your credit score in a year from an R9, 
is you were doing the work, right? I was doing the work and I was so, so committed to making those decisions that were going to get me ahead. And that takes so much sacrifice. That takes a lot. And um, it's it's very intimidating, but it is, it's exactly, it's that cliche thing. Like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It truly is when you see that thing in front of you and you think, oh my gosh, I can never get there, especially for new home buyers. If you are haven't purchased your first home yet, um, I know it's like the, the climate right now is difficult. And I think a lot of people have kind of accepted this idea that they're never going to be homeowners. And it, it's so false. It's that you you just need to take those small bites. Exactly. Small steps, one step at a time. And it's really more than the amount of money that you're putting away or that you're paying down on debt. It's the habit. It's the habit muscle. And every month, making sure that you are paying yourself or you are paying down your debts. And I think that's such a huge point that small bite-sized pieces get you to the big goal, right? Like, you're, you're the story. That's exactly what's happened. But you had to make that decision and get like super vulnerable and uncomfortable, which I want to <laughs> acknowledge too. So that's it's what's painful. changed. Exa- yeah, painful, right? So that's what's changed. What's next then, Teresa? Like what does, what are you, what are you hoping for? What are you working towards? Well, so back to just the side hustle. I actually made a decision a couple of years ago to leave um, my job as a flight attendant and pursue my side hustle, which became mm-hmm. my main hustle full time. And now a couple of months ago, I moved into sharing digital products online and talking more about digital wealth. And I'm actually going to get even more vulnerable on my page as well, on my Instagram uh, about just this journey that I've shared with you and being more open about it and being transparent and opening up this conversation. Cause I think it's so important and it kind of takes the tabooness uh, tabooness. Is that a word? Um, it takes that, that shame out of money. It, it opens up that conversation to people who really need to hear it. And I really want to help people um, sh- have those shifts, learn how to actually take those baby steps. And um, I've been able to do a lot with this and also I can't discredit my husband because he's been obviously a huge piece for me and we've we've done a lot t- together and having a partner who is on the same page as you and who um, really supports you is so, so important and especially with these financial conversations. And you know what? I still have that impulsivity around money where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go spend and my husband will bring me down to earth real quick. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we meet in the middle, like I said before, but, um, we've invested in a couple other, um, income properties and we're Airbnb hosts and we have a lot going on. So for me moving forward, it's about, um, making decisions that allow me to have more freedom with my kids, more time freedom, um, and just continue to invest and enjoy along the way. So we've really kind of reached this point where I feel like we can enjoy it more. And we've really, the last five years, put in a lot of work to set ourselves up for the future. Um, And we have some pretty big lofty goals. And my goal is to retire by 45. So uh, I'm already kind of partway there because I've left the the world of going and clocking hours for a job. And now I'm working for myself, but uh, 
and the work is never done. I think at 45, I'll shift to something else else because I'm a very passionate person and I'll just continue on this journey, not, not shift to something else, but I just will probably, you know, scale back when I'm doing and enjoy all the things that I've, all the fruits of my labor, let's put it that way. What I love in what you're saying is you're taking the power away from money itself and you're putting the power and the emphasis on time, which for me too has been a huge shift in looking at these two commodities, one which is replenishable and one which isn't, right? And that's like, that's really powerful. And I can't wait to see how you share this message and what comes of it, because I think it's such a worthwhile thing to share. And I think you're going to do a lot of good with that. So can you share where we can find you? I've mentioned um, your Instagram handle. Is there anywhere else that you'd love people to reach out if they have questions for you? It's really just my Instagram page. That's the main place to find me. I'm always happy to be in the DMs. I actually don't have someone else working for me in the DMs. It's all me. So I am a real person over there. I'm happy to voice note. I'm happy to hop on a call with people. Um, But it's at the Remy method on Instagram. Uh, I'm not a TikToker yet. I've tried. I have tried. It's not working for me. I'm 37. (laughs) Am I out of TikTok? Like, am I too old for TikTok? (laughs) I don't know. You're a couple years older than me, but I'm still... I'm learning. We're learning, right? It's a journey, Teresa. It's a journey. (laughs) Maybe next year I'll be this big TikToker. Who knows? Okay, we'll check in. Well, thank you for sharing your time with me and sharing your story. So appreciate it. This was really enlightening. And I hope you have a great day, Teresa. Thank you so much, Brianna. Thanks for having me. And hope everyone has a great day. My pleasure. Bye.